Welcome to Bumping Into Walls. I'm Jesse Tregarthen. This month, we bring you an episode from The Vault, a past episode that we've aired that we'd like to revisit. This episode, Oh Baby, where Catherine McLeod, Lisa Brock, Karen Grucutt, and I sat down to talk about parenting as a blind parent. Enjoy. This is Bumping Into Walls, a show about living with vision loss, the challenges, the successes, and the day-to-day walls we all bump into. Welcome to Bumping Into Walls. I'm Catherine McLeod. One of the most rewarding and challenging things that any of us can ever do is raise a child. So we thought that we would invite some of our friends in to talk about their experiences in doing that and about all of the challenges and some of the really wonderful experiences that they have had doing just that. And then we thought, being us, that we would maybe do it just a little bit differently and let them tell their stories in their own words. So once I've introduced them, I'm going to sit back and listen just as you are. So let's meet them. With me in studio are some very special guests. We have Karen Grucutt. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. And Lisa Brock. Welcome, Lisa. Hi. And another voice that might be a little familiar to everyone, uh, Jesse Dragarson. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> I guess we all know who you are, Jesse. I pop in from time to time. Yeah, yeah, when we're least expecting you. And to get us started, Karen, why don't you tell us what life was like for you when you took your little bundle of joy home from the hospital? Basically asked me, how are you going to do this when you can't see very well? And I said, you know what? I like challenges. I find ways around them. And I said, I hadn't, besides, I have never changed her face and fed her bum. So I think I will do just fine. <laughs> Good answer. And, uh, and so from there, she just uh, kind of looked at me in awe, like, what did you just say to me? <laughs> so... And after that moment, I took her home and, um, you know, had numerous appointments afterwards that I managed to get to and from with support from family. And to this day, I'm still looking after her and now my new grandson. So, like, <laughs> um, no. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Another, uh, she was still in the hospital, actually. Uh, I had, a, at the time, a uh, seeing eye dog, and um, I proceeded to go into the NICU unit to visit with her, and I was stopped at the door and said, that dog cannot come in here. And I said, well, if my dog can't come in here, I can't see what I'm doing. I said, she should be allowed in, and, you know, she has to help me. And there was a big uh, argument about it. They made me wait while they went and got the head nurse. And she came to me and she says, you know what? She said, my infectious diseases rate is down, so I don't care if you bring your dog in. (laughs) 
So from that moment, they made sure her isolate was by the door where I could get to her easily. And Jillian, my guide dog at the time, was allowed to come in and lay at the foot of her uh, bed. And uh, she made sure Amber was good and that I brought her home safely and looked after her. And she actually gave Amber's little hand a kiss one day that we had gone uh -huh. in to visit. Well, it's interesting, Karen, that you mentioned that, you know, talking about the NICU, because our baby was also premature. And so, you know, we had we had challenges like that as well. And in dealing with the NICU staff and, you know, but a, a lot of the time they were pretty supportive in, in us getting in there. And I was able to learn my way to the isolate and we were able to go in there. Uh, both together and and just me on my own sometimes and get some support and them getting him out of the isolate and giving him to me and then putting him back and just all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the same. I, nurses would always make sure I knew what I was doing first. And eventually <laughs> after a while I got to know the routine and I could just go in and take her out and They'd come over and make sure all the cords were where they were supposed to be so I didn't disconnect something on her. But <laughs> but we also had some un unhelpful experiences in the, in the NICU as well. Right, Lisa? Yeah, we did. It felt like the culture of Alberta Health Services, to me anyway, was that the sighted parent was the one who had to do everything um, and the blind parent shouldn't do a whole lot, which is a lot of stress. Um because parenting, sometimes it takes two, and not having that other person or being discouraged from using your partner as a resource can be really hard. Yeah, there's a lot of this um, kind of like, a oh, he can't be left alone with the baby. We can't trust him with the baby. Uh, you need to be there to make sure that he doesn't, like, kill the thing or something kind of attitude. Yeah, it really felt like that. I know we had a couple of really good nurses who were trying to problem solve and actually ask Jesse questions about what he would need to be a good parent and how they could help him to achieve the parenting goals that needed to be done, like feeding and changing and monitoring whether he's choking or anything like that. And there were also some nurses who didn't believe that Jesse could do anything and that he was a danger to our son and that I should be the one to either do everything myself or that I should be monitoring Jesse when he was doing something. So it was a mixed bag, and we mostly listened more to the, to the people who were problem solvers because, you know, he, Jesse is a parent, no matter whether he can see or not, and he shouldn't be barred from taking care of his child. Yeah. And I guess just a couple of those quick experiences. Um, I, I I had a good experience learning how to change the diaper. And actually, I thought it was a nice experience, not just in being a blind parent, but because new parents have to, like, figure out this whole complicated diaper thing. And I had this nurse to, like, teach me and practice with me. And if I screwed it up, there was someone there to to back up and, and, and changing 
changing Sid's diaper. It was a very complicated process, which involved somebody distracting him with a soother. And it, like it, it usually took about three people to get the job done. Um, so it was good to have that experience. And then I guess the neg negative experience being um, I asked for help learning how to bathe him and then ended up kind of getting pushed out of that equation uh, and then the same day I said <clears throat> I'd like to learn how to bottle feed him and the lady said I don't you're not able to do that it's too visual but then the next day come back to the same NICU with a totally different nurse this was after I mentioned it to the charge nurse um, but the day after came back and this next nurse was actually super helpful in sitting down with me and just trying to figure out how to best educate me and the position to hold him in and to pull it out, you know, however this often to pace him and just all that sort of stuff. So again, it really just depended on the nurse and the, the day, I guess, apparently. I remember going through that as well, actually. Um, at the time, she was only allowed one ounce of formula at a time every two hours. And I'm like, how am I going to see where one ounce is in a bottle? And I just um, eventually learned that by feel, not sight, how much one ounce weighed. Hmm. And, um, I, you know, the nurses would come over and make sure I was doing it right. But they really um, eventually let me do things on my own once they could see that I was doing it properly. That's actually mm, pretty wow. cool because we taught Jesse to fill up obsidian's bottles by using his scale that measured things in grams. And since one gram is equal to one milliliter of formula, he was able to fill up obsidian's bottles and know how much was in there yeah. down to the milliliter. I'm glad Lisa was paying more attention in that particular lesson of school math because I wasn't. <laughs> so I'm with you there, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's always a way. Sometimes we don't have the tools, but there's always something. Mm. And I think, especially with the changing of the diaper and really anything, I know I was really sort of freaked out about learning how to change a diaper because I'd never changed a diaper on the ba on a baby that was the size of my hand. So it was nerve-wracking for both of us, and it didn't matter if I could see or he couldn't. When you're a new parent, everything is scary, and you can learn. Yeah. I think my biggest fear was trying not to pull out any of the wires or cords or anything like that when I was trying to change her. Oh, wires and, wires and cords was, everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing was, I was the one who would pull out his wires and cords by accident, <laughs> so you really can't assume anything about a parent just by looking at their external um, qualities because yeah. it, it just depends. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, then, then, then we brought him home and then, you know, then there was the, the whole new challenges after, you know, dealing with AHS and stuff. And of course we were, we were going to have to deal with them more, but, you know, coming home and then Lisa was really good at just helping to figure out ways that I could do certain stuff like, you know, at first it was dividing the master bottles of formula into individual little snap lid bottles that we had to wash afterwards and re or sterilize and reuse. And 
Um, but you know, dividing up the feed and and me knowing which of the snapper bottle things I had to pull out and 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 you know coming up with a way to warm it in the water and and Lisa just coming up with these ideas and um you know cutting bigger holes in the bottle nipples so that way uh I could have some control over the flow from the master feed bottle into the little bottles and just all sorts of all of helpful tips that we were able to come up with together to help me accomplish the everyday tasks of baby feeding and everything else. And I don't know about you, Karen. I'm actually wondering, because you've talked about your experience in the hospital, um, but we we actually got a visit from child services, and that was the, the particularly scary one, getting getting bugged by them and questioned by them and them not really being willing to listen and... Uh, I don't us th- having to fight with them. I don't think I got a visit with child services is with um, social services, mm. but not child. Um, just more they wanted to focus on me, making sure I was capable of looking after her once I took her home. Um, mm. Well, we had an investigation opened on us for yeah. neglect. Yeah, oh. because he wasn't gaining enough weight that they were happy with when really it was because if we gave him too much most of it came back up and if we gave him too little he didn't give enough weight but you know we were trying to find that sweet spot somewhere in the middle where we could actually give him enough to help him gain weight and he'd keep it down but they decided that we were being neglectful tried to say that I couldn't be left alone with him they went after both of us for different things and it was just really scary oh and any parent listening to this will know that babies, they lose weight when they first come home from the hospital because yeah. it's a new environment and the babies are trying to figure it out and the parents are trying to figure it out. So it's not something that's surprising, but of course, when people are already suspicious, they look for anything to nail you on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I felt very scared when they came into the home. Okay. They're going to watch me feed him. What if I'm not holding him properly for some reason or I accidentally forget a detail or I put the bottle in his mouth too fast or just, you know, any number of these little things because I already know that they've decided I'm not capable and they're watching me like a hawk and that was scary. Both of us watching both of us like a hawk and deciding that neither of us were capable, I guess because we were young and, you know, like there was just a lot of things stacked against us, it felt like. Even though we'd spent two and a half months being trained by the NICU nurses. Yeah, precisely. Which is an experience a lot of parents don't get all that extra training before. Mm-hmm. So that's something we're grateful for is because whether you can see or not, if you have good teachers in the NICU, it is pretty invaluable to have that space to learn before you actually have to take your baby home and look after it suddenly all by yourself. I think it's a matter of, like you said, the age difference. Um, back from when I had my daughter to when you guys just had your son, um, there's a big um, difference in years between when they had their child and when I had mine. And I think most of my problems were in the hospital and they were solved. I remember once I got home, I never had social services or child services come to my house to see how I'm doing. I just had to make sure that I'd went to the doctor's appointments, 
um, yeah. you know, the follow-up appointments with all the different departments, eyes, vision, and um, whatnot. And now that he turned two a couple of months ago, we have a really good team at the Early Childhood Rehab Center, and from what I hear, uh, when Jesse goes and takes Obsidian to his appointments by himself, they're really good about problem solving and treating Jesse like an equal parent. Yeah. Which is a long way to come from when I took him to his pediatrician and they said, next time send his mom because I don't have time for this. Yeah, that was actually another very terrible experience because apparently they did not want to deal with a blind person because yeah. they said it took too much time to, to walk with Jesse to the exam room. <laughs> Even though I'd have them undressed and dressed back up and and out of in and out of there basically in the same time frame as 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 any other parent, but they did that. They even Obsidian even was sick once, and we were supposed to send him in to see the doctor within forty eight hours, I think. And they were going to make us wait a whole week for an appointment because Lisa said that if we took the appointment forty eight hours afterwards, it would be me bringing him, and they tried to to hold it later in the weeks so that way it wouldn't be me bringing him. So we made a point of every time Obsidian had an appointment there, we would make sure to send Jesse by himself. Um, I walk him to the, the C train and the bus now. Well, they've just changed the entire bus schedule. And I take him in Access Calgary and uh, pick him up from daycare and with the help of the daycare people, uh, get his stuff ready. You're listening to... What do you say, Sid? One, two, three, ah! <laughs> say bumping into walls. But the walls! On CJSW 90.9. I didn't! You know, our son is just starting to realize that his dad can't see, and we're trying to open up that dialogue with him and explain to him what his dad needs and why his dad doesn't react the same way that his mom does to things. So we try to tell our son that his dad's eyes are broken. So that's something he finds really fascinating. He likes to poke people in the eye to see if their eyes are broken. <laughs> and um, he he doesn't quite get the eye broken part, so he just says, Daddy's broken. <laughs> and we're trying to explain to him, like when he's out with Daddy, that he needs to hold on. Um, especially when... I send the two boys off to do something. I tell Obsidian that he needs to hold on to Daddy, um, but sometimes he will just kind of let him go and, <laughs> and run away, even though he, I think he, he does care. He just doesn't quite realize that as soon as he lets go of his dad, his dad is kind of lost in this ocean. But it's really cute to watch them because he when he does pay attention, Obsidian is very careful with his dad and tries to move at a decent pace and look ahead to see what his dad could run into. And that's pretty awesome to see. Yeah. Um, and lately he started really wanting to include me in things. Um, we were actually at the, 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 the Spark Science Center a few weekends ago. And Obsidian decided he wanted me to go places with him. So he just grabs my hand and says, Daddy, and starts running at him. Like, Lisa, save me. I don't know if I'm going to come out of this alive. And, you know, just trucking through, trying to... I can't remember whether I had the cane or not. I, I mean, I probably should have. But 
um, you know, just and all of that stuff. But yeah, it has been a good experience and trying to trying to sort of to get him understanding i know when he when he learned how to nod that was something we had to work on you got to <laughs> say yes um and when you are talking to daddy you've got to say daddy first you know because uh which he's actually gotten too good at now he'll just when he wants me to say something he'll just tell me to say it and when he wants me to do something he'll just tell me to do it so he's gotten really good at addressing me when he wants me to do something. <laughs> um, but that was a bit of a struggle for a while because I didn't know when he was trying to engage with me all the time. Sometimes I knew, uh, but not all the time. So I, I remember the nodding part. Mm, <laughs> yeah. um, I could see her nod if she was in my lap, like right in front of my face. But if she's across the room and I'm, you know, what are you asking her? What are you doing? She would start pointing at something. I'm playing with this. And mm. so I would try to get her more detailed oriented about it. Like, what are you playing with? Um, what color is it? Um, and she actually, I think, learned how to tell her colors earlier than any other child did. <laughs> because <laughs> I couldn't tell, you know, from far away what she had in her hands. Um, when we were out in the public, in a mall or whatnot, I had a... Um, I um, handle like a harness that attached to her wrist and one to my wrist, which worked awesome for the first little bit until she figured out how to undo it. <laughs> and then the rule was you don't go any further than this um, elastic will go, right? And then I started just putting it on the back of her pants or on a <laughs> backpack or something where she couldn't reach. Hmm. <laughs> And she, yeah, like I said, she learned directions and colors a lot sooner than I think a um, child would have that had a parent that could see. Yeah, and it is interesting how that the logic of that develops in their mind. I guess two really quick stories, and then I'll ask you, Karen, was um, actually had a cousin, four-year-old cousin, and my Nana was explaining to him, you know, Jesse can't see. Um, you have to guide him if you want him to go somewhere or at least tell him where you're going so he can follow your voice. And so I guess my cousin sort of half understood this because then he comes up, grabs my hand and says, come, come with me to the hot tubs. Uh, I want to show you how the lights in the hot tub change color. <laughs> and it's like, so you kind of get it. Um <laughs> But I can't actually see the lights change color. And the other funny one was we were out at a dinner with a bunch of our friends. And one of our friend's son was, uh, but he was coloring. And I guess he decided to show his dad what he was coloring by putting his hand on this piece of paper. And trying to get him to feel this piece of paper with this coloring oh, on colors. it. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> it, it was quite funny. Aww. Yeah, I think those are just skills like for articulation that all kids should have. Because even when Jesse's not around, if Obsidian is just pointing at something, I don't know what he's trying to show me. Um, and sometimes he will just nod with me as well. But I, I tell him you have to say yes or no, because it has to be clear. We want him to learn to be clear with what he's trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now my daughter is growing. I've raised her. So I would, as far as I'm concerned, successfully. 
um, and now I'm a grandma. Wow. And that's a whole new, a whole new ball of wax. Um, You're starting this over again. Trying to train my grandson to let him know that grandma can't see. And he's actually just, he's two and a half now. And he's starting to get that. Okay, I have to bring this closer to grandma so she can see it. <laughs> so, and my daughter is actually being really good. She will tell me when he's smiling at me or when he's waving or he's winking. <laughs> yeah, that's something Obsidian does too. He smiles sometimes when he likes something. But of course, to Jesse, it's just radio silence. So it's like not really knowing. And also sometimes when, when he's upset with something... He doesn't always make any noise, but I can see that his face is upset, but Jesse doesn't know it. Yeah, I was figuring that 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 kind of stuff out. But I guess the other area, even just going back to, like, to, to navigation, the one nice thing is, and I don't, I mean, the good thing with Sid is that once he's in the stroller and we're, we're, we're out and going... Uh, he tends to be pretty, pretty patient with my, you know, having to take that little bit longer to make sure we're going down the curb cut and, and sometimes stopping to get my bearings with my surroundings again, or like when we're in the park, you know, uh, it doesn't seem to phase him too much that I wander around aimlessly for a while. (laughs) Uh, and he's not always the biggest help. He'd be like, let's go find the wagon. No. (laughs) Can you help daddy find the wagon? No. And then eventually he'll yell, wagon! And it's like, oh, there's the wagon. Thanks. Um, and, you know, so, but just kind of those experiences and, like, walking to the train, he, you know, he doesn't, it's nice because he doesn't particularly seem phased or to notice that this experience of walking is different, like, in a, in a bad way where it freaks him out. I think the only thing that freaked him out first at first was I was taught to, uh, that it was easier to swing my cane in front of me and pull the stroller backwards behind me. And I know one time I did that and he started screaming because he wasn't used to being pulled backwards. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I remember that. That's how I used to take uh, Amber, too. I had to pull her backwards and work my guide dog mm, yeah. at the same time. Um, now, when she actually got older, it's a little bit of a school story, um... She was in, I think, grade two, and they're supposed to still write with pencil. And I had uh, approached her teachers, and I said, look, I said, if you want me to help her with her homework, I can't see it. And they said, and their their response is, well, maybe you should hire a tutor. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to hire a tutor. You're going to let her write in a erasable pen so that I can help her at home. And grade two not really supposed to, but they made uh, arrangements for her to do that so that I could help her with her homework. Wow. So some stories for you guys, or situations for you guys yeah. to look forward to. <laughs> and that that's actually helpful, and that's actually a piece of advice I'm really going to throw out there to any blind parents or blind would-be parents that are listening here. Um, I mean, this is true of all parenting, but I found especially in blind parenting... Find other blind parents that you can draw experiences off of or just bounce and say, I had a doctor tell me this and have somebody to say, yeah, the same thing happened to me and and this is how I dealt with it because um, it was a big help to me after dealing with child services to be able to go in and tell 
a lot of my friends, including Karen, what was going on and have Karen tell the story about I haven't fed her bum or changed her face yet. <laughs> and um, that was definitely something that I needed at that time was to have somebody else to to understand where I was coming from and give me some ideas. And that's a good place to end it. Thank you very much for everything, all three of you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Lisa. And thank you, Jesse. And thank you. I think it's great for all of us to realize that whether you can see or not, parenting is a challenge. Child of mine, child of mine, oh yes, sweet darling, so glad you are a child of mine. Can I say one more thing? Yes, you can. Just for the sighted counterparts of a blind parenting duo it's gonna be nerve-wracking you know because it's your baby and you're not quite sure all the time how your partner's gonna deal with not being able to see but it's just important to keep the communication open and always say when you're afraid and try to keep things as problem solving oriented as possible i think that is wonderful advice Tune in next time to see what people, places, or things we've been bumping into. To contact Bumping Into Walls, find us on Twitter at into underscore walls. Or send us an email at bumpingintowalls at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, bumpingintowalls.wordpress.com. Bumping Into Walls is produced edited and hosted by Jesse Trigarthen, Anthony Hodges, and Catherine McLeod. <laughs>